very brief while we are going to talk on the topic of uh, forgiveness. I'd like to, um, before we begin, to say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this privilege of being able to come before you to feast at your table. Lord, we acknowledge our inadequacy and we ask, O oh Lord, that you would do what only you can do. Father, cause your word to come alive, and cause us to say only what you would have us to say, and to hear only that which you will have us to hear. Lord, you are able to do a transforming work in our hearts, and that is what we ask today. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Sometimes we do and say the most painful things to one another. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. Yes, we have all inflicted pain on someone we love. We've all done that. We're all guilty of it. And if you haven't done so yet, live long enough and I'm sure that you will. We have inflicted pain on someone we love and we have also been hurt by someone we love. The question before us today is how should we as believers respond how should we respond when we are hurt should we hold a grudge and look for opportunities to strike back or should we forgive what does it really mean to forgive those are but a few questions we hope to answer in today's message which I've titled, A Call to Forgive. The primary passage that we will use today is Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Of course, you will be aware that the Bible says a great deal about this topic of forgiveness. And indeed, we can spend the remainder of the afternoon just reading about passages on forgiveness. Why is that? Why is it that the Bible devotes so much time about on this topic of forgiveness? Why is there such significance placed on the topic of forgiveness in Scripture? As we consider this subject matter today, we hope to answer that question as well. There are two broad categories, if you will, if you were, if you're taking notes and that we're going to separate the message into. There are two broad categories and they are, why forgive? That's the first category. Why should we forgive? Why should we as believers forgive? And the second is, 
the attributes of biblical forgiveness. The attributes of biblical forgiveness. What does biblical forgiveness look like? So firstly, why forgive? And then secondly, the attributes of biblical forgiveness. But before we, specific, before we consider those specific areas, let us take a moment to read Matthew 18, 21 and 22. It reads, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. What an interesting account we find in Scripture. Peter approaches our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter, no doubt, thinking that seven was a very comfortable number. Indeed, I think the, the tradition of the time was to forgive one's brother about three times. And Peter thought he would exceed that significantly, double it plus. And so Peter goes to Jesus and Peter says, Lord, how often should we forgive our brother who sins against us? Seven times? And the Lord says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. Now, in case you might have done the math already, the Lord was not suggesting to Peter that he ought to forgive his brothers 70 times seven, that is 490 times. Instead, the Lord was saying to Peter that you ought to forgive your brother as often as is necessary. As often as is necessary. And then after this question and response by the Lord Jesus, Jesus went in and he went on further and he spoke a parable spoke a parable that many of us are familiar with. It is a parable that we call the parable of the unforgiving servant. And Jesus shared this parable with his disciples and by extension with us. And in this parable Jesus speaks about a king, a king who had many servants. And one day this king decided that he would take account that he would check his books, his accounting records, if you will. And when he did so, he discovered that there was a servant who owed him a considerable amount of money. Indeed, the text suggests that this servant owed him billions of dollars in today's currency. Billions of dollars. And so he went to this servant and he said, pay up. And the servant said, I don't have it. And the king said to him, the king said, and it was well within his right, the king said, well, we're going to put you in prison, make you our, we're going to put you in prison so that until this debt is paid in full. But the servant pleaded with the king and the servant said, please forgive me. Please allow me to pay 
this debt that quite frankly he could never pay. And the king had compassion, the king had mercy on him and forgave this man, this servant, all of his debt. So not only did he not imprison him, but he forgave him. He said to this man, you are no longer under obligation to pay me this incredible debt that you've built up. So the servant, no doubt happy, went on his way. And as he was on his way, he encountered someone who owed him a couple dollars. He encountered someone who owed him about $12,000 compared to the $6 billion that he owed the king. And he asked the man, he said, may I have my money? And this man said to him, I'm sorry, I don't have it. And the servant, rather than extending mercy to this man who did not have the couple dollars that was owed to him, he beat him and he had him thrown in prison. And when the other servants observed this, they went to the king and they said to him, they said, look at what this man to whom you extended such mercy, look at what he has done to this other servant who owed him very little. And the king was angry. And the king went to him and he said to him, the message to him was, I had extended to you such mercy. I forgave you so much. Look at how you treated this man who owed you so little. And the king decided to reverse his decision and he threw the man who owed him all that money in prison. That's what he did and that was the parable that Jesus gave following Peter's question to him but why ought we forgive why should you and I forgive the number of reasons why you and I should forgive one another and others the first reason I believe we should forgive is because we are commanded to forgive. That's reason number one. We are commanded to forgive. Jesus clearly commands his disciples, us, to forgive. Look at the verses we read earlier in Matthew. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Jesus commands us to forgive. And the importance of following the Lord's command is perhaps not stated more clearly and significantly than in Matthew 7 and 21 when Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of the Father. So we have a command to, to forgive. And Jesus tells us of the importance of following his 
command. The words of Jesus Christ are not just mere words, but they are words that you and I are to live by if we are His disciples. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 7:21 that we should not be those who would simply utter words, but rather our words should be accompanied by action. Our words should be accompanied by obedience to what He commands. Moreover, we read in Ephesians 4:32, the Apostle Paul says to us, to the church at Ephesus and by extension to us be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you and we find a similar instruction to the church in Colossians 3 12 and 13 when Paul writes put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The command then in Scripture for us it's very clear. The command is for us to forgive. And so if you and I are soldiers in the army of the Lord, if you and I are His disciples, we have an obligation to forgive. But why else must we or ought we to forgive? Second reason we should forgive is because of the value we place on relationships, particularly relationships in the church, particularly the relationships among brothers and sisters. Why should we forgive? Because of the value we place on relationships. The fact is that in a fallen world, fallen humans, imperfect humans, we hurt each other from time to time. That's a fact of life. That's not going to change. But because of the value we place on relationships, especially in the church community, and especially among family, we should be quick to demonstrate love, which is a byproduct of forgiveness. Indeed, forgiveness is a byproduct of love. So we forgive because we value relationships. I forgive you of what you have done for, to me because of the significance I place on my relationship with you. Why else might we or ought we to forgive? We ought to forgive because unforgiveness has both a psychological and physiological effect on the unforgiving person. Unforgiveness has both a psychological and physiological effect on the unforgiving person. 
the psychological effects are clear. An obsession to exact revenge. Somebody hurts you and you keep that without forgiving that person. There is an obsession to hurt that person. An obsession to exact revenge. Plotting, scheming, and simply wasting time on a person when such concentration would yield nothing other than pain. I think it's clear to us how just sitting there and thinking about the hurt that someone has caused you. Just thinking about how you might exact revenge or thinking about how you wish something negative could happen to somebody. Perhaps not as, as a direct result of what you do, but as a result of something else. I think we all know how those things just can waste time. Can waste time. So negative. But there is also the physiological, a real physiological effect that we would do well to consider. In his book, Loving the Way Jesus Loves, Phil Riken writes about a biochemical research conducted by doctors Daniel Amen, Marion Diamond, and Carolyn Leaf. This is what he writes. Based on biochemical research, these neuroscientists have conducted the toxic chemical, have concluded, have documented rather, the toxic chemical flood that our bodies release into our brains whenever we think malicious thoughts. Their micrographs show how the chemicals that are released burn tunnels into the branches of our nerve cells. Dr. Leaf calls these burnt out neurons emotional black holes. They are empty spaces in the brain produced by the angry resentments of a bitter soul. And then they go on to write, yet amazingly, it is possible for the brain to grow nerve fibers that fill in these black holes. New memories can replace old, and one of the virtues Dr. Leaf identifies as bringing the most healing is forgiveness. So there's a real impact that you and I suffer when we have malicious thoughts, when we are unforgiving towards one another. So why else are we to forgive? The next reason is because there is a high price. Apart from what we've said, there is a high price for unforgiveness. Apart from what we've talked about physiologically, apart from the psychological effect, there is an even higher price for unforgiveness. Scripture teaches us that if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Consider the parable that we just talked about. And Peter asks the question, consider what Jesus did to this man. This man who had 
been forgiven so much and he refused to forgive. And can I tell you who we are? You and I are like the man who was forgiven much. That's who you and I are in the parable. We are, we stand as the man to whom the king forgave more than he was able to pay. And the reason why is when we sin, you and I, when we sin, we sin before a holy God. We sin before a holy God. You see, it's one thing to offend a holy God. It's another thing to offend someone who is just like you. That's a, a totally different matter altogether. But scripture teaches us that if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Consider the prayer that we pray regularly. Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Listen further to what Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's very clear. All it's saying is, forgive and you will be forgiven. Don't forgive and you won't be forgiven. That's very clear. That's what stands before us today. Perhaps we think of unforgiveness as a passive emotion. Perhaps we think that unforgiveness is harmless. Oh, I can just harbor this in my head, in my mind. But oftentimes, unforgiveness is accompanied by wishing evil to befall someone, or perhaps wanting to do evil directly. And moreover, unforgiveness could fester and manifest in ways that were never even considered initially. So for our own good. You see, because unforgiveness can take on a life on its own. A life on its own. Something that you didn't consider that moment. But over time, it could build up and cause something that really, when you look back at it, you say, how did I get to this point? So you and I, we want to deal with unforgiveness immediately. Deal with it un unforgiveness immediately. But what does unforgiveness really look like? What are the attributes of biblical forgiveness? What does it look like? When we speak of the attributes, we, that's what we're asking. What does biblical forgiveness look like? What are the marks of biblical forgiveness? I want to say, before we talk about what it looks like, I want to suggest to you what it's not, what biblical forgiveness is not. I believe that it's very important for, that we make a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. I want you to hear me now. 
I believe it's important for us to make a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation. Well, it is quite possible that you forgive someone and not reconcile with them. But it's not possible to reconcile and not forgive. Reconciliation presupposes forgiveness. But sometimes you can't forgive someone without reconciling with them. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes forgiveness... So for example, if somebody does something to you, and that person is not willing to be reconciled to you, you can forgive them immediately. Express your forgiveness. Demonstrate your forgiveness. But if that person doesn't want to be reconciled, there's nothing you can do. And sometimes, quite frankly, sometimes, because it is clear that that individual has not changed his or her behavior, it might be necessary not to be reconciled, but to forgive that person, nevertheless. And also, there are times when punishment must be exacted for an individual who harms one or who commits an act against society. But while the punishment might be exacted doesn't mean that that person is not forgiven because there are laws there are consequences for one's actions so we ought not confuse the two and also it's very important that we seek to avoid certain experiences so if you know that someone has a propensity to do something though you have forgiven that person, though you might have forgiven that person. There's nothing wrong with seeking to avoid getting that, having that encounter again. Nothing wrong with that. So please, I don't want to be misunderstood when we talk about the subject of biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness requires us to be wise. It's not does not demand of us some blind allegiance. But what are the attributes of biblical forgiveness? The first attribute that I want to talk about has to do with frequency. We talked about this already. We read about it already in, the, in Matthew, in the scripture, in Matthew 18, 21 and 22. How often should we forgive? What does biblical forgiveness look like? How often should we forgive? Jesus says to Peter in an ongoing way. So that's one attribute that's very important. So the question is if someone hurts you we all hurt one another from time to time how often should you forgive? Should forgive the Bible tells us in an ongoing way in an ongoing way in an ongoing way 
that is the command that we have. When we talk about the attribute of biblical forgiveness, we ought to also consider the effects of biblical forgiveness. Sometimes biblical forgiveness is accompanied by a restoration, a restoration to a prior status as in relationship. So, for example, friendship or marriage. Sometimes forgiveness results in the restoration of a prior status as in a relationship of friendship or marriage. But sometimes, sometimes it's the removal of debt or sometimes the, re the removal of a burden or responsibility. But the point that is being made is that biblical, there has to be an effect of biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness requires some result. Something must be accompanied by biblical forgiveness. And then there is the cost of biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness has a cost. There's a price that we pay when we forgive as the Bible requires us to forgive. Can I share with you some of the costs? The first is, there's the cost that is associated with our natural desire for revenge. You and I, when you and I are hurt, there is a natural desire for you and I to hurt the person who hurt us. To seek revenge in one way or the other. And you know that that is true based on the experiences that you've had. How you long for revenge. To put that person, to put him or her in their place. To do to them what they have done to you. In fact, to do more to them than they did to you. But we are called to do things differently. There is a price to pay. There is a cost associated. That is a burden to us. That is not easy. That's not easy to do. There is a cost. Cost to cease from anger. To cease the bitterness that is accompanied by the hurt that we feel. And also to exercise humility. That's all we're doing. When you and I, when you and I live out biblical forgiveness, you and I are exercising humility. Humility is a significant attribute of biblical forgiveness. Because you and I must bow our heads and say, I would rather please the Lord. I'd rather do what the Lord says than what I feel. I'd rather subordinate my own feelings to the command that I've received from the Lord. I know my place. 
I know that I am an imperfect person. I know what I have done. I know the people that I have hurt myself. I know the debt I owe. I know the debt I owe. So you and I, we, when we forgive, we bow our heads in humility, knowing our places, recognizing who we are, knowing that we have hurt others. What's the source? What does biblical forgiveness look like? Well, when we think about what biblical forgiveness looks like, we can't run away from the source of biblical forgiveness. Perhaps something that biblical forgiveness is about gritting, gritting one's teeth and saying, I forgive. Perhaps that's what something that biblical forgiveness is simply about gritting one's teeth and saying, I forgive. It's true that you and I must open our hearts to being forgiving. But there are at least two related things that must undergird our forgiveness if it will be genuine and lasting. First, our motivation to forgive should be the absolutely undeserved forgiveness those of us who are called believers the unreserved unforgiveness that we received the moment we were saved as well as on an ongoing, ongoing way let me say that again but what is the source of your forgiveness what is the source of it where is it coming from when we talk about biblical forgiveness we must consider the source of our forgiveness. Our biblical forgiveness must be undergirded by our consideration of the fact that you and I have ourselves received forgiveness from the moment we were saved and on an ongoing way when we consider the price that was paid for our forgiveness when we consider the price that was paid for our forgiveness and when we consider the one who paid that price and when we consider that the one against whom we sin and who forgives us is perfectly holy and does everything for our good we should be motivated to forgive you see it is sometimes true that when we when we are wronged we contribute ever so slightly sometimes when we're wrong you know if you have to be honest none of us is perfect so very often when we are wrong we contribute ever so slightly and sometimes even significantly to those events because we are human but God who is infinitely holy who is incapable of doing wrong doesn't contribute to our sin 
yet he forgives us. So our source of the source of our forgiveness should be an acknowledgement of and an understanding of what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. How he paid a price, the price of his life, how he gave his life for us. And you and I stand forgiven today. You and I stand forgiven because of what he did. And not only should our unforgiveness be undergirded by our acceptance of our own unforgiveness by our Father, but we should rely on the enabling work and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to help us to forgive. So our point is that forgiving someone is not merely about making a decision. It's not merely about gritting one's teeth. It's about acknowledging the work that God did through Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to help us to forgive. Because we know that we, don't, we lack the power, we lack the ability ultimately to do it on our own. You know it's true. There have been times when the urge to strike back, to strike out against someone who has wronged you has been so strong, so strong. I know for me that's true. Indeed, I could tell you about several events just this week. So strong that the only thing that held you back was prayers. And I must say, I really, <laughs> I had some situations this week. I was in a particular meeting with a client and a bank. And I thank the Lord that I made a decision not based on how I felt before going into that meeting. I made a decision, not, I can tell you, not based on how I felt, but somehow deep down inside I felt it was the right thing to do, to be humble in that meeting. Because if I hadn't done that, that would have been a different meeting altogether, altogether. And I must confess, going into that meeting, I didn't ask the Lord to help me. But it was a decision that I made. Lord, you know, I want to exact punishment on this person for what she is attempting to do. But the point that I want us to appreciate and to accept is that if you and I are to, to live out biblical forgiveness, then you and I need the, the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask the Lord to help us constantly. Lord, help, help me to, to, to walk through this. Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. Lord, it is impossible for me to do this thing. I can't do it. Indeed, I don't want to do it. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive. I don't, I don't want to forgive him for what he's done. I don't want to forgive her 
for what she has done. I don't want to forgive them for what they have put me through. I want them to hurt. But Lord, your word commands me differently. I see in your word that I ought to behave differently. So Lord, help me. I can't help myself. In and of ourselves, we cannot always forgive. And sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we can't forgive. Then hours later, days later, months later, years later, we realize that the thing that we thought we had forgiven, it's still there. It's still there. There is a reminder of, of that event. It, it, it hasn't gone completely. Just for a moment, there is an event that happens and it comes back like a flood. It comes back like a flood. You know exactly what I mean. It comes back like a flood. And that's because you can't do it by yourself. You need the Lord's help. You need the Lord's help. What else does biblical forgiveness look like? What does it look like? What is the attribute of biblical forgiveness? Biblical forgiveness comes from the heart. Comes from the heart. Look at what Jesus says in concluding the parable of the wicked servant. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Biblical forgiveness doesn't come from the head. Though it is wise to forgive, it makes sense to forgive. Because we've seen already that there is a psychological and a physiological impact of unforgiveness. So there you are, sitting down, wallowing all of this unforgiveness meanwhile the person who has done this wrong to you has, has gone about their business and, and you're just sitting there you're just sitting there woe is me come see about me so yes it makes sense yes it makes sense it, when you think about it it makes sense and yeah you can, you can have this had thing going on that yeah I'm going, to, I'm going to forgive them but Jesus says it's more than that it's more there is more to it than that it, unforgiveness you must release them from your heart biblical forgiveness is not merely about words and for that, ma and for that matter it's not merely about actions biblical forgiveness is more than the words you say I forgive you it's more than the actions that you do. You know, you can easily pretend to forgive someone. And you and I have done that before too. You know exactly what I mean. We have pretended to forgive when in fact we've not forgiven. Jesus says that genuine biblical forgiveness comes from the heart. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, it's not. 
biblical forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, oftentimes, sin against us. And it is so serious. We are so deprived that only God can change our hearts. Only God can change our hearts. That's why we got to rely on Him. And that's why we got to come back to Him. That's why this is a spiritual thing. That's why it's not just simply about making a decision. That's why you have to invite the Lord's help. You and I are dealing with things. Some of us are dealing with some deep, deep issues of unforgiveness. That only the Lord can help with. Only the Lord can heal. Only He can address. As we conclude today, I must confess that I really can't say why I chose to preach on this topic today. Most times when I have the privilege to, to share, I get a sense of the, the need to address a specific topic. And I can't say that that was true this time. I can't say that I got that sense this time when I decided to preach on the topic of a call to forgive. However, I believe, and I, indeed I know, that the providential hand of the Lord is at work. Is at work even now. And even in my life, over the last few days, I saw several evidences of that as I prepared this message. Of how there was unforgiveness in my own heart as I was dealing with several matters. I would encourage all of us, all of us, to, to search our hearts to see if there exists evidences of unforgiveness. Perhaps there is a built-in behavior that you have the genesis of which is unforgiveness. Maybe there's some behavior that you have and you wonder why why do I behave this way maybe you look at it closely and maybe the source of it is unforgiveness but you chalk it up to something else perhaps you've been carrying the weight of a wrong that was done against you for which the culprit has not even asked for your forgiveness perhaps you've been carrying that Perhaps there are little things that need to be dealt with. Perhaps there are just little matters that just need to be dealt with. But whatever it might be, I wish to suggest that this is as good a time as any to forgive those who've hurt you and to move on. I believe the words of the psalmist are appropriate here when he said search me O Lord and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me 
and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe all of us should consider whether there is unforgiveness in our hearts and ask the Lord to give us the power to overcome unforgiveness. Let us pray.